How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Yeah, lawns can be a challenge. We'll talk about that and answer your uh, listener questions on our Smart Garden Show this hour. Thanks to Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota helping you out today. Hi, Julie. Good morning, Denny. How are you today? I'm doing really well, but I'm looking at that forecast, and I'm thinking (laughs) here we are, the middle of September almost, and a great time for seeding your lawn, but with watering restrictions and not much rain in the forecast, that's a challenge. Yeah, there's not much rain in the forecast. That is unfortunate as we go into the fall. You know, this is the time that we want to be watering our shrubs and trees and our perennial plants so that they can make it through the winter. So hopefully we'll be getting some rain, but not in the near future, I don't think. No, there's some small chances this coming week. We'll keep you posted. Uh, If you have a question for Julie, again, either loan or garden question, uh, there's one number. It's a new one, and it does work. In spite of the fact if you send a text and you get a reply that sounds kind of weird, forget about that reply. Your text has come through. Uh, and that number, again, either for a phone call if you want to chat with Julie or send Julie a text, 651-461-9226. Some folks remember the last four digits is WCCO, and that, uh, and that works. Uh, we're already getting some uh, questions, which is not surprising here on our Lana Garden Show. Well, what are you doing at, at your house there with, uh, with given your, your plants, your shrubs, your trees, your lawn? What, what kind of care, you know, given the restrictions that, uh, that you're under too, I imagine? Well, one of the things that I've been doing lately is looking at uh, areas that my garden actually is overgrown, and I've been removing, just pulling out some of the plants. I've got some that really seed heavily. Uh, For example, false sunflower. I have, um, they're a beautiful yellow flower. They're out in my rain garden, but there's a million of them. I do not need that many of those plants. And so I am going to be uh, thinning those out. Same with ironweed. I had a real bumper crop of that. And while that is great for bees, I just have too much of it for this small area. So I'm going to be pulling some of those out as well, kind of thinning it out so that next spring there's room for other plants to be coming up and uh, kind of showing off their colors. So I'm, I'm kind of thinning stuff out. I'm cutting a few things off. Um, Pretty soon it'll be leaf raking time, oh, yeah. and uh, and I'll be putting those leaves back onto the garden as a as a mulch. So, um, yeah, that's I'm kind of cleaning up my tools. That's another thing too that people can be doing is getting the wire brush out and brushing the soil off of your tools. Uh, even some of the tools that you're not, not going to use uh, the rest of the season, 
uh, maybe they're more of a spring type tool, is you can be cleaning those. And we have a great web page on cleaning and disinfecting your garden tools and garden um, items like cages and trellises and posts and stakes. And you can find that on extension.umn.edu and go to Yard and Garden. And you can just type that into the search engine. I'm glad you brought that up because I have to do that this weekend, uh, given, uh, you know, all, like you said, the uh, the different things, like for the tomato plants and cucumber plants, all those those right. those huge <laughs> things, like a trellis. <laughs> uh, but you're right. I've, I've taken them out, but uh, you're right. They get sometimes dirt on the bottom. Is there a – well, we'll have to check the website. I'm going to do that uh, this weekend. And by the way, we'll mention that site again. It's a great resource with tons of information, extension.umn.edu. Uh, just a great, uh, a great uh, resource. Well, speaking of resources, we have one on the line here, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of uh, Minnesota. And Julie, as usual, callers and texters. Let's get to it. Dave is on the phone calling from, uh, I think, Brooklyn Center this morning. Dave, you're on with Julie. Good. Good morning, Julie and uh, Denny. Uh, morning. Question, morning. My lawn service is uh, suggesting uh, chemical aeration this fall. What are your thoughts on chemical aeration? Oh my gosh, Dave, you've stumped me right out of the chute today. <laughs> I have never heard of chemical aeration. Um, uh. I'm, assu- I'm assuming, uh, well, aeration is, of course, opening up the compaction of your soil. Usually we do core aeration, where a machine goes and pulls cores of soil out of your, out of your lawn area and drops them on the grass. They just break down and go back into the soil. Um, that helps to relieve compaction and then also opens up that soil so that you can do some top dressing with some seed and, and a topsoil. And that gets that seed down into those cores. But chemical aeration, I do not know. I wish Maggie were on. Um, that is something that I do not uh, know about. I am so sorry. You know, Julie, come to think of it, I think we had a question about that last week, and I had oh. never heard of it either. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it wasn't like some folks, at least over the years, I... I've read where some people believe like in uh, gypsum, in, in clay-type soil, would kind of open okay. the soil. Yeah. That's just that, a guess. but That yeah. could be it. It could be something like that that breaks down and then uh, works its way down into the soil. But usually aeration is, is opening up that yeah. uh, the compaction. But I'm a, I'm a fan of aeration. Um, if you ha- have had a really super stressed out lawn, which a lot of people have, like most of it is dead, aeration may not be appropriate at this time. Uh, it would be better to work on um, really seeding your, your garden. Um, sometimes the aeration can be hard on the plants because you're literally digging into the soil. And it might be difficult for them to recover if they're just kind of hanging on in the fringe. But uh, if your lawn is looking pretty good, and, I, and actually I've seen quite a few of them really bounce back after the recent rains, mm-hmm. then aeration is a good, this is a good time of year to do that. Weed seeds are less likely to germinate versus in the spring, which is kind of the second, second best time to do aeration. Speaking of uh, lawns, uh, a text said, uh, asked this with the dry- second, second best time to do aeration. Speaking of uh, lawns, uh, a text said, uh, asked this, with the dry summer, would you suggest skipping fall fertilizing for lawns? I think it depends on the quality of your lawn and what condition it's in. If it's, if it's back and it's green and it's growing again, I think you could go ahead and do a fall fertilizer application. But if it's pretty much dead, I think you're going to focus on re, uh, kind of renovation yeah. of your lawn instead. Yeah. 
All right, tell you what, let's go back to the phones, Julie. Pat calling in from uh, St. Paul this morning. Pat, you are on CCO with Julie. Uh, hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm probably the guy that needs the rejuvenation. Uh, I wasn't around much in June to water, so my lawn has got some enormous brown spots that look dead as a doornail. Uh, and I don't know exactly if I sh- what, what I should do about that or just wait till next year and see how it comes out or what. So the according to Maggie Ryder, who's our turf educator, what she has explained to me is that you can still see now and uh, and you can do that by you can kind of lightly rake off some of that dead area and then put down a good quality seed. You want to purchase a seed that is appropriate for your conditions, full sun, part shade, shade, whatever it is. Uh, the other option, too, is to do dormant seeding. Now, dormant seeding occurs about ri- mid-November or so. It's past the 40-degree temperature time uh, when our seed would germinate. So, in other words, it's too cold for the seed to germinate. And you put it down now or in November, and that will uh, then it will then germinate in the spring when we have moisture and appropriate temperatures. It's a great way to get a head start on your lawn care for the spring and to start building a really thick, lush lawn uh, as you go into next year's season. All right, here again is our text number and phone number. Same numbers, 651-461-9226. Uh, I'll tell you what, Julie, let's take a quick break. And be right back on the other side. This is Smart Garden here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show. We are here on CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to folks like Julie Weisenhardt from the U of M helping you out. Lawn and Garden Talk. Here is, again, our new number. It's a text and phone number. 651-461-9226. 651-461-9226. Callers, texters, Julie, the rest of the way. Uh, here is a uh, text that came in a bit ago. It said, I have an ash tree dropping lots of multiple connected leaves. Could that be a sign of emerald ash borer? Probably not. It, it is probably a sign of a lot of squirrel activity in that tree. Uh, squirrels tend to do that. They break off some of the smaller branches. And uh, and so if you are concerned about emerald ash borer, which you rightly should be if you have if it, if it is in your county, and you can find out that information from the Minnesota Department of Ag, or you can go to the extension site too, uh, then definitely have a certified arborist come in and take a look at your tree and assess it. And they can determine whether it needs to be treated or if it does, you don't have a problem, there's no point at that point. Um, and, uh, or if it is in decline, it would be something that would be, you'd want to remove that tree then and, and uh, put something else in place of it. And you can find that information, again, on our extension site under our trees and shrubs section. Uh, or you can also go to the Minnesota Department of Agriculture and find a lot of good information on decision-making around emerald ash borer. Okay, very good. Back to the phones we go. John is calling in from St. Paul this morning. John, good morning. You're on with uh, Julie. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put down some grass seed pretty soon, and I'm wondering how long do I have to wait before I put fertilizer on? Thank you. Well, the, the key for the fertilizer is that it's strictly just fertilizer. It's not a weed and feed product. A lot, some of the weed and feed products have a pre-emergent in it. A pre-emergent prevents seed from germinating. So that would not go well with seeding. 
So just be sure it's strictly a fertilizer product. You can read the label and see if there's any restrictions, but I don't believe there is when it comes to seeding and fertilizer. I think the two kind of go hand in hand. So uh, just read the label. Again, look for that word pre-emergent. Make sure that it's not a weed and feed product and, uh, and kind of go for it at that point. Yeah. Thank you, John. Uh, Diane uh, calling in this morning from Wyoming, Minnesota. Diane, you're on CCO. What can we do for you today? Uh, yes, I have phlox in one of my, fl- one of my flower uh, beds, and they've just kind of taken over this year. And so uh, one, I've tried pulling them, and it seems like the roots are so deep. What's the best way to thin those out? Oh, flocks are a beautiful plant. I've seen some really gorgeous flocks this year. It seems to have been a a good year for them. Uh, The best thing to do is probably, um, if if I were you and you can't pull them out or dig them out, maybe you're getting into some other plants, they're closely planted in there, is that I would mark that area maybe with a flag or a stake. And then next spring, before other plants start coming up around them, I would get in there and dig those flocks out with a, with a garden fork. So uh, wait until the plants are, are uh, smaller. You could also uh, get in there now after your other plants have died down and just dig them out at that point too. You're not going to really harm uh, some of the other plants, knocking them down, that sort of thing. Um, it's probably a little bit of a picky job, but if they really have invaded that much, uh, you do want to get them out so that you have room for your other plants to grow. Ah, thank you. All right, Diane, thank you for the call. Uh, this texter, Julie, says this must be lucky enough to have a good rain. It says, with all the rain we've had, is it safe to put down winterizer? Kind of a similar question we've had. Yeah, I think, um, again, I think it would it would probably be fine to put it down. Uh, we haven't had a lot of rain uh, around this area anyway, how many inches, Denny? In two and a half, maybe recently. Boy, if Not we're much. if we're lucky, yeah, if yeah. we're lucky, yeah, exactly. And you want to time these chemical applications. Uh, you have to at least water them in, and uh, again, read the label on the back, see if there's any restrictions to that. Uh, if you can wait longer, we might get to have some rain in the forecast beyond this ten day forecast that we've received. So. Um, Yeah, just kind of a lot of this year, it's going to be watching the weather, uh, reading the label, kind of timing it according to label restrictions and conditions and uh, doing what you can to to really kind of uh, up your game from a lawn standpoint. So it's a it's a lot of um, kind of a little bit of guesswork here in prediction. So get out your magic eight ball. Yeah. It might work. Uh, this listener says, should I trim my hostas? Also, can I split hydrangeas at this time of year? Well, hydrangeas should not be split. Uh, hydrangeas are woody shrubs, and they um, you really don't split them. Um, so you would want to either thin out plants around them if they've gotten very large. You can prune them back in the spring. Um, if they are getting quite large, I have to do that on one of my hydrangeas. I prune it, uh, fairly, fairly well in the spring. As far as cutting back hostas, you can do that, but remember that any green tissue left on a plant right now, even in this weather is photosynthesizing. Now, if the plant is completely dead, uh, you know, has completely died back due to the heat and the drought that we've had, then yes, you could certainly prune it off. 
But um, the more you cut off now, the less uh, energy that that plant can produce and put back into the roots. And I think we need to give our plants a break this year. Yeah, uh, It may not look as tidy going into winter, but really just leave those green leaves on as long as you can. Good idea. All right, uh, let's go back to the phones. Julie, Larry is on the horn calling in from Monticello. Larry, thanks for waiting. You're on with Julie. I want to put down Scott's fertilizer and weed killer, and then I want a dormant seed in November. When do I do all this? Okay, so the dormant seeding, uh, you you cannot put down a weed and feed if the weed part of it is partly pre-emergent. So you need to read the label, and that the weed part, the chemical um, treatment for weed control, you you do not want to have a pre-emergent down and then seed because that pre-emergent will prevent your seed from germinating even into next year. So you want to either put down fertilizer and seed or the weed and feed and not seed. So there's kind of your dilemma at this point. You need to kind of decide what you're going to do. I would recommend that you spot treat any very large weeds with a with a spray treatment. So if you've got some big crabgrass going on or if you've got some thistle or some creeping charlie, spot treat those with a chemical. Don't put down a blanket weed and feed. Then put down your fertilizer and dormant seed. That way you're not interfering with the emergent with the germination of the seed that you put down in November. Does that make sense, Danny? Yeah, I think it does, too. I was thinking about the same thing because with all the stress this and the dryness of this uh, this summer, uh, our lawn has a lot of weeds in it. And I'm thinking right. maybe I'll just wait because aren't those annuals, generally speaking, outside of Creeping Charlie? Yeah, and I, uh, well, a lot of them, some of them are quack grass, which mm. is perennial. But the annual, uh, the biggest annual right now is crabgrass. Okay. And those are big, flat, broad leaves. Uh, you want to try to remove any of that grass before it sets seed. Mm. That's the that's the clincher right there. So you don't want these plants to set seed. You can do a couple things. You can spray them with a with a grassy weed or a crabgrass chemical. You can dig them out if there's only a few here and there. You can also cut them with your mower and bag your clippings and then take those to a local compost pile, a municipal compost pile, where they will get hot enough to kill the seeds. Uh, I wouldn't put those clippings in my compost bin because it just doesn't get hot enough to kill the weed seeds. So you, you want to remove the seeds. And then uh, those plants will die. They're only annuals, so they will die and will not be there next year. But you want to prevent those seeds from getting into your grass any more than they already have. Mm, all right, good point. And, and you have put together, you and your colleagues uh, on the website, if you want to know, how, you know, like thinking about next year, Certainly right. this year, but next year, you, you have a thing, a uh, process on that website uh, for caring for your lawn, right? We do. We have the Minnesota Lawn Care Calendar. And it is, I, I tell you, I go to that tool all the time. I have it bookmarked on my webpage or on my uh, computer so that I can refer to it quickly. Uh, it gives you the best time of the year to do certain tasks like seeding and sodding. And it gives you kind of the second best. You know, if you miss it in the fall, which is the best time to do a lot of our lawn work, uh, you can do it in the spring. So it's a great tool, and you can find it under our lawn care section on Yard and Garden. Okay. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take a break and have a look at that forecast, see if we're going to be in luck with uh, any uh, rain forthcoming. We'll let you know about that. We uh, welcome your phone calls and text messages for Julie Wise and on your lawn and garden questions at... 
651-461-9226. Again, the new number, 651-461-9226. Back with more Smart Garden here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here along with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota answering your lawn and garden questions. Yes, by phone and by text. <laughs> <laughs> We're back to business, back in Woo-hoo, business technology. again. Technology. Technology. <laughs> High tech stuff. Phones. All right. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's grab a phone call and a text as we move along. Bill, I think, is first up calling from Minnetonka this morning. Bill, you're on with Julie. Hey, I got a couple questions. First was about dahlias. Second was about lilacs. Um, I've been growing lilacs. I mean, sorry, I've been growing dahlias for a couple years now. I had pretty good success. And I, this year, they got really super bushy, lots of green, but they just didn't bloom. I went back and looked the last four years when they had photographs of them blooming. They usually started about July. Um, and I did fertilize them because it was so hot. But it almost looks, I mean, how green and bushy the plants were, like I gave them too much, um, like, nitrogen, but I didn't. And it's kind of disappointing because I kind of have become very attached to them. So I think with the dahlias, um, yeah, it sounds to me like they were having, uh, they, may, they were maybe um, having a difficulty setting the bud because of the heat. I know that that has been a case with uh, some of our vegetable crops, uh, for example, tomatoes, and that the plant is just kind of hanging on through the through the heat. So it's growing a bunch of foliage, but it's having trouble setting buds. And so I know that um, the dahlias that I've seen at some of the demonstration gardens were a little bit later in blooming than uh, than in previous years. So I it sounds to me like the plants are fine. It just was, it was a weird year for plants. It was really hard on them. Now, what is the lilac question? Um, Several months ago, I think, somebody asked a question. They were talking about their lilacs for no reason, just kind of like the leaves shriveling and dying. I didn't pay any attention because I didn't have that problem, but I did. I did later on, and they were watered. I mean, not excessively or anything, but they were watered. Yeah, they just kind of, the leaves just dried and shrivel up. And I was thinking of the lilac as being pretty much impossible to, to harm. So there is, uh, we had an issue last year with lilacs that was a blight, that was a, uh, a pathogen that had affected lilacs. And it caused the plants to do just what you're talking about. The leaves kind of just turned yellow, dried up, and fell off. Um, in talking to our plant disease clinic personnel, they said just clean up the leaves around the base of the plant because they um, they harbor that pathogen through the winter, and that can make it kind of perpetuate the cycle of the disease. So cleaning up, raking up the leaves, cleaning those up, um, do a uh, you, you know be sure to keep watering them as we have this dry condition going into the winter, and. Also, you might, after they bloom next year, consider thinning out some of the canopy so that there's more light getting down to the leaves. It may be time to do some uh, pruning where you take out the largest stems. You know, if they're a good inch across or so, it's time to maybe cut those out. And that will help to open that up and allow for some of the younger, newer shoots 
to grow up and uh, create a denser shrub, a nice, you know, some new growth on there. Some of that old uh, lilac growth gets pretty woody and is, you know, just not that attractive after a while. So you can read about lilacs. We have a good lilac page and we also have good information on uh, the blight issue that we had. And you can read about that. But sanitation was the, the uh, one thing that the plant disease clinic recommended on that. Okay. Listeners sent this text in that uh, some Roundup was accidentally put on the shrubs or bushes. I want to replant. How do I prepare the area and how long should I wait? Read the label on the product. Uh, Usually with uh, glyphosate products, which would be Roundup and a couple others, is uh, I think it's it's not very long. I want to say a week. It's not something that stays in the soil. It is a systemic that when you spray it on the leaves, it actually goes into the plant and kills the plant, goes down into the roots. And so that is, that's how that chemical works. It, it is not a soil drench type of product. So it's not going to stay in the soil. So you should be able to plant relatively quickly. I would read the label though. That is always the fallback is to be sure that you read that label. It's really important. It contains tons of good information and it will tell you when you can replant. Always read the label. Absolutely. Always read the label. All right, let's go on the phones uh, back to uh, phones. Deep Haven, our next stop, Bill, I think, is calling from Deep Haven. Bill, you're on with Julie. Hi, good morning. Um, We've lived in our house for like 48 years, and I've never seen my lawn the way it is now because of this last summer. The uh, quack grass and uh, Creeping Charlie have done very well. but there's brown patches all over. And I think my biggest problem is, is there's tunnels all over the yard. It's almost like walking through a plowed field. And I've never seen this before. How do we get rid of it? Well, the tunnels, you need to find out what is creating the tunnels. And it could be, it's clearly some kind of an animals, you know, chipmunk, gopher, uh, probably, you probably see the moles because the moles create this kind of hole, this mole hole, kind of this raised area, but it could be, um, it could be that too. It depends. So you need to find out what the issue is there. You can roll your lawn. Uh, you can rent a roller and roll it. You can, if the tunnels are doable and it's not too large a place, some people just stop on those tunnels. But uh, determining what is making that uh, is the good, the first thing to do. As far as the lawn being brown and patchy, you're going to want to reseed that area. And so raking up that, uh, some of that brown dead grass to expose a little bit more soil and then reseeding this time of year, or you can do dormant seeding. And we've talked a lot about that today on, on the show. We have good instruction for dormant seeding. This is when you seed in mid-November and the seed lies dormant until spring. It's a good way to get a jump start on your lawn care. And you can find that information on our uh, webpage under our lawn care section. So it's extension.umn.edu and go to lawn care, go to yard and garden and lawn care. You can also just search dormant seeding when you get to the extension site as well. Very good. But, okay. Uh, Texter says, can I plant a shrub now or should I wait till spring? I, boy, that's a, that's a good question. Um, 
I'm feeling like waiting till spring <laughs> um, just because it will give the plant the entire season to get established. We won't have to be so, hopefully not so concerned about drought. Hopefully we'll have a, a, a more normal rainfall next year. And I'm kind of feeling like replanting in the spring is going to be the way to go. I'm still going to put in fall bulbs, so spring blooming bulbs. They're a little bit easier, but when it comes to woody plants, that's a major investment. And I think I would wait till spring. Okay. You'll have better selection too. That's a good point. Nursery. Good point. All right, let's go back to the phones, Julie. Uh, Bruce is calling in this morning from New Prague, Minnesota. Bruce, thank you for waiting. What is your question for Julie? My question is, I want to move where I have my dill in my yard, and I've collected a bunch of seeds. Can I plant them, do a dormant planting of those seeds this fall, and then they come up in a new area next spring? So this is dill seed? Yes, dill seed. Okay, okay. Yeah, you can go ahead and spread that now. That That is something that's a fine characteristic about dill. I love dill. I love it when it comes up anywhere in my yard. Uh, it's a great pollinator plant. It smells wonderful. It's delicious. And yes, you can take those seeds and you can throw them out wherever you like right now. All right. Good deal. Let's grab another call before we take a break. And we have text messages to help folks out with, too. Terry is next up on the phones, I believe, Forest Lake. Terry, uh, thanks for calling. What's your question for Julie? Hello, Terry. All right. Oh, I lost her. I think Terry's gone. But we have plenty of text messages. And here's one of them. My echinacea was abundant this year. Should I thin it out this time of year? Thank you. That's your call. If you find it to be overwhelming, sure, you can you can dig it out now. Or you can wait till spring. Well, here's one that uh, I'm surprised we haven't heard more of. It said, I, I walk in the local regional park, and I'm seeing giant white mushrooms in the deep shade. <laughs> can you tell us anything about those? Well, I'm not a mycologist. Uh, you can take a picture and send it to our Minnesota Mycology Society, Mycological Society. But if they are big, round, basketball-shaped things, they are probably puffballs. I remember we used to have those mm -hmm. way in the back. I've seen them at the Arboretum. Yeah, they are. They're like basketballs. Yeah. They fit in a half-bushel basket most of the time. Yeah. And, I've, and, and yeah, they're just they're very funny-looking, kind of weird. But, yeah, that would be puffball. A puffball. Okay, let's uh, let's grab a call. Dara is calling in from Minnetonka this morning, I believe. Dara, you are on uh, CCO with Julie. Hello. I have many squirrels that are eating the bark off my maple trees. I have two questions. And they're running up and down. They ate the wood chips or did something with the wood chips around the tree. So I don't know what to do about that. Plus, uh, the rabbits are eating all the hostas, and uh, that's what my questions are. So animal and wildlife management is, uh, can be a really tricky thing to do because you can't kill the animals. Um, you don't want to relocate them. You may as well kill them at that point. Uh, but actually fencing against rabbits is effective. We have... Um, suggestions for that on our website but essentially you would have to fence the area right now if they're eating hosta uh, that probably isn't going to be an issue for next spring because they're not um, they're not going to harm the plants if they're eating the hostas now the hostas are going downhill at this point 
Uh, I'm kind of surprised that they would be eating the hostas because they're, they usually eat the young hostas. That's usually when we hear about it. The squirrels are another thing though. Squirrels are very tricky. They're very athletic. Uh, they do eat bark off of young maple trees and other trees too. They dig in mulch. Squirrels are very tricky. They're very athletic. Uh, they do eat bark off of young maple trees and other trees too. They dig in mulch and bury nuts in the mulch. There's not much you can do about them. You, you really can't apply anything that repels them. Repellents are very sketchy as far as whether they work or not. Um, and you have to be pretty darn diligent to keep applying repellents. And these would be like scented repellents, uh, hot pepper spray, that kind of thing. And it's kind of anecdotal whether they work or not. Mm -hmm. uh, fencing is the best thing to do around uh, plants. But of course, you can't fence your trees. You can't fence your mulch. And so you have to just kind of live with it at, the, at this point uh, in, uh, in the year. So um, if anybody has any suggestions, that would be great. <laughs> All right. Think about that. And as we head to the break, uh, we have a few more minutes of the show coming up. It's a smart garden show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Julie Weisenhorn helping you out this morning here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO Radio. Denny Long here along with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Julie, we have a bunch of callers, a bunch of texts uh, to follow uh, the show here. But you wanted to kind of backtrack on a previous uh, uh, question. Yeah, so the question was about squirrels and rabbits. And one of the things with rabbits and any kind of wildlife is to create is to make your landscape less less friendly to them. For example, rabbits really like brush piles. They like places underneath decks that they can build nests. And, uh, and so by eliminating those spaces or bury, you know, creating barriers to those, uh, you can kind of make your landscape less, of a, less attractive to rabbits and they'll go somewhere else. So if you have uh, stick piles, brush piles, get rid of them. Bring them to your local compost site. If you've got areas that they like to hide underneath your deck, put some lattice work up or some fencing around it to exclude them from that area. So a couple things. And as far as fencing plants, and especially as we go into winter, this is important. Take a look at our site, uh, Protecting Trees and Shrubs for Winter. It's under our Trees and Shrubs section of Yard and Garden at extension.umn.edu. Shows how to fence, how to put a fence up around a plant, and to bury that fence a few inches down into the soil so that they can't crawl underneath it. Good, good plan. Is it too late, Texter wants to know, to plant rutabaga? Uh, oh boy, I think I got stumped again. This is the second time today. Um, I would say take a look at our vegetable page under vegetables A to Z and see if this is something that you can plant. I guess I I don't really know. I don't eat rutabaga. <laughs> I don't I've either. never planted them. <laughs> I don't so either. take a look at that, and it will give you all you need to know, I'm sure. And if you don't, if you don't get your question answered, you can always go to Ask a Master Gardener, and one of us will be able to figure it out. Fantastic. This uh, listener says, my magnolia bush has gotten to be huge. How much trimming can I do? Well, every trimming that you do right now is you're trimming buds off of next year. So you need to be kind of aware of that. And, uh, and you need to look at where it's being, uh, is it bumping into your house? Maybe that's a side that you're going to trim back more than the other side, for example. 
So it's kind of, you got to look at it. If you have a question, you could certainly hire a, a certified tree arborist or a pruning company, a tree care company to come out and take a look at it. We have great uh, tree people here in Minnesota. Well, we sure do. Uh, this text says, are there any uh, herbicides, or as they say in the UK, herbicides, that are completely safe for the environment? Well, an herbicide is anything that kills a plant. And I think we can think of things that are in uh, like uh, a really high acid vinegar will kill a plant. Uh, torching will kill a plant. Um, salt will kill a plant. So uh, is there something that's completely great for the environment? I would say no. Uh, an herbicide is going to kill a plant. So uh, there is no 100% good herbicide out there for the environment. I don't believe so. Okay. Pulling them out is probably your best herbicide right there. It's just pulling them, extracting them. Very good. That wouldn't harm the environment. This listener, uh, Julie says, I need to split a huge sedum. Is it, uh, it is very large, almost flat. How would I do that? Well, I, I'm a fan of splitting plants like that in the spring when they're small. Uh, you can try doing it now, but sedum is very brittle and it will probably snap off most of the branches. So you could wait until spring. You could put a ring around it right now if it's laying flat. And I'm thinking you're talking about something like an autumn joy type of sedum. That's quite tall and has pretty thick stalks. And you can go ahead and uh, you could ring that up right now, put a ring around it, or just wait until spring and, uh, and go ahead and split it then. If you don't care what it looks like, you could cut it off and split it now. But remember to do that pretty quickly because we're getting closer and closer into cold weather. And we need to let those roots get reestablished. I know we've addressed this uh, during the show already, but I just noticed that there are a few, not just one, but a few questions about uh, aerating lawns. Can you do it this time of year? Uh, is it safe to aerate my, aerate my lawn, et cetera? So we've got a few of those. And again, uh, for those that maybe joined us late, what, what do you suggest? So fall is the best time to do core aeration. So this is a machine that goes and pulls soil cores out of your soil, opening up the, so the soil to air and relieving the compaction. It's very good. It's very beneficial. If your lawn is in pretty good shape, in other words, it's pretty green, you could go ahead and do it. If your lawn is super stressed or, uh, you know, where it's really kind of on the fringe, I think the recommendation is to hold off aerating this year and wait until next year, next fall. Uh, if your lawn is dead, I think you could go ahead and do just about anything to it at this point. And then top, and then you want to top dress with a with a seed uh, topsoil combination to get that seed down into those spaces that that core aeration has created. Boy, what a summer it's been! Wow, it's been a stickler. <laughs> Julie, this listener says, "How can I keep Russian sage from spreading, a pruning, or a physical barrier?" Uh, I have. Uh, Boy, I guess I would just pull it out. I, I, I don't know if they mean spreading like from the original plant, like laying down or spreading, you know, laying down over other plants. Sometimes it's floppy that way. Um, or if they mean it's literally spreading. I've never seen Russian sage just spread like by rhizomes or stolons. So um, I would say just dig out the part you don't want. Or if it's laying down, again, put a ring around it or some kind of uh, something that just holds it up and keeps it up above the other plants. It's a beautiful okay. plant. Great pollinator plant. Let's see. Do we have time? Yes. Maybe a final question here. Uh, this uh, listener would like to move my peonies over about 
one and a half, two feet because they are crowding out my delphiniums. Is this, is it a good time or should I wait until spring? Any tips for moving? Okay, this is the time to move peonies in the fall. Uh, they have a very deep, fleshy root. So dig down deep, 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 deep. Dig your hole for them. Plant them at exactly the same depth. Do not plant them deeper or shallower. Exactly the same depth. Those are my tips. What about cutting them back? Listener wants to know. Yeah, you could go ahead and cut them back now, too. They probably are pretty much dying back at this point. You know what we haven't talked about yet is the Arboretum and the Apple House. We've got about a minute to go. What, what would you say? What would you tell oh folks? Oh, my gosh. Get out to the Apple House. The apples are tremendous. Uh, the Arboretum is gorgeous. And uh, lots and lots of late season blooms. If you are a pollinator fan, the bees are going nuts. They are gorgeous out there. Be sure to dig, be sure to go out into areas that you have never been out. I know a lot of us go around the buildings, but go out into take a, take a, you know drive out to Three Mile Drive, park your car, and go into the prairie and go out into some of the collections and take a look. Kind of get into it. The rose the shrub rose garden looks beautiful. That's right off of Three Mile Drive. Um, I've been hiking around there quite a bit lately, and it's a it's a great place. You can take tons of great photos and show your friends, and you know, just it's beautiful out there. Oh, you do yeah. need a reservation if you're not a member, or you do need a reservation. So do continue to do that online before you go. Absolutely, and don't forget the camera, or if you got the good the lens right. on your phone. I mean, there's so many good uh, photo <laughs> yeah. ops there. It's just it's Absolutely. just gorgeous. And heading out there, head west on Highway Five to Forty One. I guess is the closest intersection, right? Right now, if you're coming up Forty One, Forty One has been it might be open now, but it's been closed because they're connecting the bike trail oh, underneath yeah, right. Forty One right now. So right. you might have to make a bit of a detour if you're coming up uh, north on 41 from say chaska all right julie we have to make a detour for the news and then our all home right. our home improvement show <laughs> nice segue. we'll we'll <laughs> we'll talk soon and thanks Sounds for everything good. all right thank you thank you julie always great uh, julie weisenhorn from the university of minnesota yeah get those home improvement questions ready andy lindis will be uh, answering those questions for you uh, next hour here on news talk a3owcc what kind of weather today Well, we're looking for sunshine and highs uh, near 81 here in the Twin Cities. Maybe a small chance of showers overnight with a low of 57. And then Sunday tomorrow, mostly sunny skies, highs near 73 degrees. Let's see. Right now, southwest winds at 8 miles an hour. What's the dew point? Sticky 62. Partly cloudy skies in our current WCCO temperature reading 67. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.